Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn them to Acts chapter 28. And we're continuing our series, Unstoppable. You can pick up the outline right out the center doors at the ministry counter. This is the last message of this series. We will finish our study of the book of Acts. We've been looking at the book of Acts these last many, many really weeks and months. And the book of Acts is an amazing story of really the early church, that the church started on the day of Pentecost, right? In Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, get it? Acts chapter 2, it started. The Holy Spirit came, and Peter stood up, and he preached a message, and thousands came to know Jesus Christ their Savior. Amen? And ever since then, God's church has been unstoppable. It's been unstoppable. And if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior this morning, you are the church. It's you it's talking about. You are the church, and you're a part of that unstoppable force of God here on this earth. That Jesus said in Acts chapter 1-8, he gave us our commission. He says, you will receive power, and the Holy Spirit comes up on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we as the church are to be on mission to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, right? And it's unstoppable. It's unstoppable. You can't stop it. If you don't do it, God's going to raise up somebody else to do it. You know that? He said, I can have the stones cry out. It's unstoppable. And we have seen in the book of Acts, and hopefully you've been here, and if you haven't been here, you've looked online, but we have seen in the books of Acts, you can't put people in prison and shut it down, right? You can't kill people and shut it down. You can't beat people and stop it. You can't do anything to stop the gospel in the church continue to move forward because it's based upon Jesus and the Holy Spirit, right, what they're doing. And they're not going to let it stop. It's not going to stop. It's unstoppable force. And today we're going to close this series as we've been going through the book of Acts, it seems almost like a, a movie, doesn't it? It's almost like a movie where it's made up of many stories that unfold in the book of Acts. And all through the way, we see the power of God at work. Un his unrelenting work that he's constantly at work doing, right? We see that. But as we look at this, every good story, every good movie has a setting. And the setting for them, it was in Jerusalem, and then it went to Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the to, to end here, to the most powerful city at that time in the world, to Rome. That's the setting. Every good story has a plot. The plot in the, in the book of Acts is to take the gospel of Jesus Christ forward to all the people of the world. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. And then every good story has characters. You have many characters in the book of Acts. Some of the characters we have is Peter and Paul, and we have also, we see James in there, Stephen, Philip, Barnabas. We have all kinds of characters. There's all kinds of characters in the book of Acts, right? And then in many, many good stories, we see conflict. And in the book of Acts, we see all kinds of conflict. We, we see there's heroes, there's villains, there's stonings, there's death, people in prison, people breaking out of prison, angels coming down. We see healings. We see conflict inside of the church. All, all kinds of conflict is happening, all kinds of difficult circumstances. But every movie or every good story has a resolution to it, doesn't it? has a resolution. And as we finish this book and the story of the book of Acts, as we finish it about the early church, we find there isn't any resolution to it. There's no resolution. It kind of just abruptly ends. But really, the story continues. And we're going to look at today that the book of Acts ends, but that the story continues. And we saw a few weeks ago in Acts chapter 21 where, where Paul is arrested and, and kind of put in prison in Jerusalem. And it looks like from the outside that it's downhill for Paul's life ever since. It just keeps kind of, kind of getting worse, it kind of seems like. That he's in prison. He's appealed many, many times now. I didn't do anything wrong. They interview him and they say, we agree. You didn't do anything wrong, but we don't know what to do with you. Because there's these Jews that want to put you in prison. They want you dead. And we don't know what to do with you. 
So Paul is a Roman citizen, and so he has to have a fair trial, has to be tried, and get an, get an opportunity to present his case. So the only thing Paul can do is he appeals to Caesar. Appeals to Caesar. So off the Rome he goes to make his appeal to Caesar. And so he leaves for Rome, and we looked at that last week in Acts chapter 27. Remember, he got on that ship, and he goes to Rome, and he hits this amazing storm they hit out there before they make it to Rome, and they haven't eaten for 14 days, the Bible says, like, that Paul hasn't eaten, and they, they all haven't eaten on the ship. And God tells Paul that the ship is going down, but all in the ship are going to live. And finally, the ship is shipwrecked there in the little, little island of Malta, remember? They get to the land, they all arrive on the land safely, but it's wet and cold, so they build a fire. And the apostle Paul's grabbing some wood to build a fire, and, and out comes a viper, a snake, and it bites him on the hand. And Paul kind of shakes that snake off in the, in the fire, and it has really no effect. And they're all watching right now, and these people are looking in from the island of Malta. They say, man, this guy must be the worst of murderers, the worst type of people, because even though that storm didn't kill him, he's still going to get his judgment, not from the storm, but now from a snake. It's so all waiting for him to swell up and die, but it has no ill effect against Paul. So then they come to the opposite conclusion. This man must be a god. Something's around him. He must be a god. So Paul not only continued to serve there, but there was a chief official named Publius who had a father that was very sick, and he went to the house. He prayed over him and touched him, and the man was healed through the grace of, by the grace of God. And then people heard about that in the island, and they, they've started to bring in all their loved ones, their, their family members who were sick and diseased, and Paul healed them by the grace of God. And you see, even during the storm, Paul used this as an opportunity to share God's truth give thanks to God, and serve and minister to others. That was last week's outline, if you didn't know that. Last week's outline. So how does the church continue to be unstoppable force? How does it continue to be an unstoppable church now that we're ending here in the book? Let's read Acts chapter 28, verses 11 through 15. It says, After three months we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. We put in it Syracuse, and stayed there three days. From there we, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day the, the south wind came up, and on the following day we reached Petuli. There we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. The first thing I want you to notice, if we're going to be an unstoppable church, if we're going to be an unstoppable people, we're continuing after the book of Acts. If you have your outlines, live in the unstoppable church, the first thing we have to do, we need to encourage one another. We need to encourage one another. Paul is on this journey. He's been shipwrecked. He's now been in uh, Malta for three months. Springtime spring arrives, and they're ready to leave Malta, and they're headed for Rome. And the Bible says they stopped for three days in Syracuse, which is just, just south, south of Sicily. And they leave and eventually get to this place called Petuli. He's there for a week, and the Bible says there were some brothers there, brothers there, and the gospel had already reached there, so there's some brothers there. And we see the faithfulness of God, how God is so faithful, to not only to us, but the Apostle Paul. Because Paul is continuing on this really difficult journey that he's on. There is people there to meet him along the way to kind of encourage him. Because on this, Rome, the journey, on this uh, journey to Rome, Paul is going to lose his life. Eventually, he's going to lose his life. He wants to get to Rome to share with Caesar his story so he can share God's story. He wants to share his testimony. And in, in, inside of his testimony, he's going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
But while he was there, before he ever got to Rome, there were brothers in Christ that had heard that Paul was coming to Rome, that lived in Rome. And so they said, we're not going to wait till Paul gets to Rome. We're going to go out to meet Paul before he even gets there. So they leave the city and they travel out to meet Paul, the Bible says. About 30, 40, 30 to 40 miles they travel. And they get to this place called Forum Appius in the three taverns. This was a couple of rest spots along the major roadway called the Appian Way, which is a major roadway to Rome. Remember, they used to say all roads lead to Rome. This is one of the major roadways. And you can imagine the Apostle Paul being so exhausted by now, of all that he's been through, of all these years ministering, of being in prison and now traveling to Rome. He was shipwrecked. He went to the island, and then he's bitten by a snake. And then he's healing all these people, constantly busy and everything. And now he finally is right here before Rome, and he's going to travel and walk 30 to 40 miles. And he knows what's going to happen in Rome. He has a good idea what's going to happen there. And remember in Acts chapter 23, verse 11, it says, The following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. When Paul testified in Jerusalem, what happened? You remember what happened? He testified about Jesus and the resurrection and that he was called to minister to the Gentiles. And the people went crazy. The Jews went crazy. And they wanted to arrest him and they wanted him dead. And it didn't go well. Now he's called to do the same thing here in Rome. I'm going there. I'm going to proclaim Jesus and the resurrection. I'm probably going to be persecuted. I may, may even well die here doing this but God has called me to go. I've got to go. And he's off to go. And you can imagine, Paul, he's probably discouraged and afraid, not really knowing what's going to happen to him, what they're going to do to him, how, they may, how he may be tortured and have suffering, all those kind of things. He's a human being just like you and me. So he's probably going there pretty discouraged, I can imagine, and afraid. Wouldn't you be afraid and discouraged, not knowing what they're going to do? But some people come out to walk with Paul. Imagine that. He's walking and, and he looks and he sees these people, and what they were saying to him as they come out to walk with him, they're saying, Paul, we're in this with you. We want to walk with you on this journey. We want to let you know that we want to help you on your journey. We want to let you know we're there for you, Paul. All the way through, we're going to be there for you. We're here for you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to walk these 30 to 40 miles down this roadway to Rome with you. We are here for you. And notice what Paul, Paul responds. It says at the end of verse 15, At the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. He was encouraged. He was encouraged at the sight of these men that they came and there to support him, to walk this road with him, to be there with him. And they were there to walk this. And we learned the truth, this truth last week, that as, a, as we're followers of Jesus Christ, that God allows storms to come into our life. He allows conflicts. He allows difficulties to come into our life many, many times as a follower of Jesus and as we minister to God. And a lot of times, as we're trying to serve God and live for Him, it can be very scary. There could be some major storms that come out of our life, major difficulties, conflicts that come in our life. It can make us very uncomfortable. And we can get very discouraging at times, can't we? Very discouraging. And sometimes we need some encouragement from someone, right? Sometimes we need that. And because this is the way God has made it. God has made us in community. He's made us in this body. He's made us in Christ the church, that we'd rally together, we would live and do life together, that we would strengthen one another, that we would support one another, that we would comfort one another, and that we might, would encourage one another in this community called the body of Christ, the church, that we would do that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 says this, and let us consider 
how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And I've experienced this in my life. I, I don't know about you. It's, at times as a follower of Jesus Christ, it get very discouraging, right? They're trying to live for Jesus, and sometimes you're wondering, is it really making a difference? Am I really making a difference? Am I really making an impact in people's lives? You know, and I don't know if you've ever done that. And we have this wonderful, amazing body that God has put together, an amazing family called the church, where we encourage one another and spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And sometimes when I get discouraged, I need your encouragement. And sometimes when you get discouraged, you're going to need my encouragement and others. We're going to need to encourage one another. Because on this road that we walk, just like the Apostle Paul that he had, conflicts come in life, right? Difficulties will come into our life. And it may be as small as Satan causing doubt in our hearts. We have doubt. And we doubt God. And we're not trusting God. And we look at here in this passage, and these men came to Paul. They didn't come with the message. They didn't come with the message. Look at it. They didn't come with the message. They just showed up. They just showed up to walk along with Paul. And Paul saw that, and it brought great encouragement to his heart. Just seeing the people there, it brought great encouragement. Just to see the people. They didn't have to say anything. They didn't have to do anything. Just to be there with him, that's all that mattered. And it brought great encouragement to his heart. And if we're going to be an unstoppable church, an unstoppable people, moving forward, we have to be people who are encouraging one another. We have to be there for each other. Spurring one another on toward love and good deeds is what we have to do to encourage one another. It takes us all to do it, guys, not just a few of us. It takes us all to encourage and spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And we need that from each other. And that's why God knew it, that we have that relationship with God, but we need it with each other too. Let's continue reading, verses 16 through 28. When we got to Rome, now you notice the we, the pronoun there, means who's the writer of the book of Acts? Who? Say it loud. Luke, okay, you should know that, Luke. So Luke is there with him, right? He's an eyewitness of everything that's going on. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with the soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had any charge to bring against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. Verse 21. They replied, We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of the brothers who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what, you, what your views are, we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. Verse 23. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning till evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made his, this final statement. Says the Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Other ways they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, 
understand with their hearts in turn, and I will heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. There are two scenes in this passage that I want us to really look at this morning. Both of them is that Paul has a gospel motivation, and that's really our second point. Living the unstoppable church, we need to be gospel motivated. We have to be gospel motivated, is what he calls us. At the very beginning of this passage, we see the first scene. It's just one verse, at verse 16, where it says, When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Paul came to Rome, he was allowed to stay by himself, but he had a soldier that would be guarding him at that time. He was constantly under guard, chained to a guard, constantly. Chained, they probably changed guards, but he always had a guard with him. And many people believe that Paul received special care uh, because they heard what happened in Malta. And what happened in Malta that he healed many people. He helped many people in Malta. And it got word, maybe got there to Rome, and the soldiers heard about it, and they knew what the Jews wanted to do to him. They didn't see anything wrong with the guy, so they kind of cut him a break. And they said, okay, you could live in a house. And, and they kind of cut him a break there. In, in a house, rent a house there, and, and stay there with a the guard. But he was guarded by a soldier 24-7s. 24-7. And they probably had a changed guard every four hours. A new guard would come in. And that was Paul's life for two years. Think about that. For two years, chained to somebody. There's a new guard coming in every four hours with Paul, and he was chained to them. Think about that. You're chained 24 hours a day now for two years. And you read the 13 letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament, and he's constantly talking about the gospel. So my question is, what do you think he's going to talk to these guards about? He's chained to these guards, and the guard maybe ask and say, you know, I just better know, why are you here? And Paul probably said, I'm glad you asked that. It begins to tell them about Jesus, that I'm in chains because I preached about Jesus and the resurrection. And these guards would probably heard about Jesus from Jerusalem, what happened in Jerusalem, that he was crucified. And now here's Paul to explain everything that happened. He's going to tell them. He's going to explain in detail what happened. And every time they would come in and they'd be chained to Paul, he probably continued to tell them about Jesus. And this went on for two whole years. Every day those guys would come in and they'd hear about Jesus. So you think some of those guards got saved? What'd you think? Someone probably got saved? And you think, do you think this was part of God's plan that he had for Paul when he went to Rome there? That Paul was going to testify in front of Rome, not just in front of the governmental officials, but even before that. He's going to have an opportunity to testify with all these people and share Jesus with all these people. I love what the book of Philippians has to say about his time there. Remember, he wrote the book of Philippians while he was here under house arrest in prison in Rome. He also wrote Colossians and Ephesians and Philemon also. Those four books he wrote in his, in his uh, prison epistles. And he says this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 13. And it gives us a little better understanding what he meant when he wrote this. He says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. He's saying the entire palace guard knows about Jesus now. They know that I'm in chains because of Jesus. And I've had an opportunity to share it many times with them, is what he's saying. And I've shared it many times, is what he's saying to them. And as Paul closes out the letters to the Philippians, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 21 through 22, he says this, Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send their greetings. All the saints send, send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. That Paul's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in the governmental, uh, in Rome, in the government of Rome. They now 
they were influenced, Caesar's household was influenced by the gospel. And there now were some believers in Caesar's household that we see right here. And it's all because Paul had a gospel motivation. Wherever he was going to go, he was going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many people were influenced by Paul with that. And I'm wondering, if you and I were chained to a guard 24-7, what we would be doing? Would we be there, say, man, I want out of here? Would we be there complaining constantly? I can't believe this is happening. I need to be let out. And I can't believe God did this to me. God, why would you put me in prison? I was serving you. I was doing my part. And you let me go to prison. But we see in this story, it continues. It says here, Paul was there and he, and he waited three days. And then Paul calls for a meeting with all the Jewish leaders. Typically, what Paul would normally do when he went into a city, he would go to the city and he'd find the Jewish synagogue and he'd go there first and he'd preach about Jesus and the resurrection. But because Paul was under house arrest, he was in prison, he wasn't able to leave his residence. He had to stay there. So he invited them to come to him. He invited the Jewish leaders, come to my house. So he could plead his case. That's what he wanted to do. I want to plead my case. This is the reason I'm here. He was telling them, this is why I'm here. And I didn't do anything wrong. And basically they said, we haven't heard anything bad about you. What they were really saying, we haven't even heard about you. We don't even know who you are. What are you talking about? But we have heard about that sect, the way. And we've heard that many people are upset about this. We'd love to hear your viewpoint about this. And that's right up what the Apostle Paul wanted, right? So he's glad. I'll be glad to share with you. So he goes on and he begins to share the gospel with him. And he shared with them about Jesus from the law of Moses and the prophets, the Bible says. So he shares the gospel with him. But the thing is, why was Paul in chains? Remember why he was in chains? Why he was in chains? Because he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and the resurrection to the Jews and talked about that God has called me to minister to the Gentiles. Here he is again. He's in Rome. He's doing the exact same thing again, preaching about Jesus and the resurrection and that I've been called to take the gospel to the Gentiles. He's sharing the exact same thing again. And the very thing that put him in prison this first time, and the reason he's here because he shared this, and he shares it again. I don't know if I would do that. Would you do that? I went to prison once, and I kind of learned my lesson. Maybe I won't do it the second time, but here's Paul. Even in chains, even in harm's way, he shares the gospel because he has a gospel motivation. We see the same results kind of happen. Most rejected, but some people did believe, the Bible says. Some people believe he had this gospel motivation. And Paul is about to go before Caesar one day. He's going to stand before Caesar. And he writes in the book of Philippians, as I said, these epistles are very important to help us get an insight. He writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 through 21. It gives us some insight of what he's thinking. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. What is he talking about? Ashamed as I stand before Caesar, that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage. So now it is always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and die is gain. We get a further understanding in this verse. We get this verse in the context, right? What was going on in the Apostle Paul's life that he would write Philippians? Would he write those, those words that he wrote there? Just a few verses down in verse 27, he says this. Whatever happens, and he's saying, whatever happens to me, whatever happens to me, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ is what he was saying. He said, Paul had this gospel motivation. It didn't matter what happened to him. It didn't matter what scenario, wherever he was. Paul was going to share the gospel because that's what God had called him to do. You kind of get Paul's motivation from Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. He's saying, therefore, after I, what I just shared with you in those first 11 chapters, of all that we have in Jesus, and all that we've gained in Christ, and what I have now in Christ, he says, oh, therefore, that you understand this, this gospel motivation we call all that I, Christ has given me is what he's saying. The reason I do this, because all I've gained in Jesus, all that I have, and he says, I, I'll give my whole life back to him. Even in, when I face adversity, no matter what comes my way, I owe him all. I owe him everything is what he's saying. And he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Paul says, I will not be ashamed of the gospel because I know it's the only way for people to be saved. I know it's the only way for people to have a relationship with God the Father. I know it's the only way for them to have their sins forgiven is through Jesus. So I won't be ashamed of sharing it. I will share it because I realize it's the only chance they have is through Jesus. There's no other way. It's only through Jesus. And I don't know about you, when I, when I look at my life, and, and maybe you look at yours, oftentimes there's other things that motivate me beside the gospel. What about you? I wish it was the only, the gospel's the only that motivate me, but many times it's not. Sometimes we can be motivated by ease, right? The easiest things to do. Sometimes we can be motivated by money. I, I can't serve here. I can't do this because it's a money issue or, or whatever. I've got to do this or I've got to do it. And sometimes I, I, don't, I don't share Christ at my workplace because it kind of gets weird or, or I might lose my job. We have reasons. Or I, I don't share Christ with my neighbor because it might get weird and they may not like me. And hey, I got to live next to them, so I'm not going to share with them. Or I don't share Christ in this place or that place. For whatever reason we have, we, we share those. And many times we are motivated by things all around us, right? And not the gospel. We're motivated by all those other things. We're thinking of all these other things. As I read this, I pray that our heart's desire and our hope would be this, not to be ashamed of the gospel in all places that we live and go. That, that God may, may give us this gospel motivation in our life that motivating you and me to live for Christ in all places, wherever we go and whoever we're with, I'm gospel motivated. That would be my heart and your heart's desire and hope to have that in our lives in front of everyone, right? No matter where we're at, that we have that. The last thing we see living in the unstoppable church, first, we need to encourage one another. Second, we need to be gospel motivated. And three, we need to finish the unfinished mission. We need to finish the unfinished mission. Well, let's finish the book of Acts. Let's read the last two verses. Acts chapter 28, verse 30 through 31. <clears throat> It says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. The end. The end. Just erupt. Just ends. Just like this. You look at this. Well, what happened to Paul? What happened? Did he live? Did he die? Was he freed? What happened to him? There's, kind, there's no resolution, right? We kind of feel let down. Be honest. Do you feel let down? Like, what is going on here? We look at this man's life, and we can't wait. He's talking about, I got to preach to Caesar, preach to Caesar. We're going to get this big message, and it just ends before he ever has that chance to do that. And if we feel that, if we're feeling that right now, it, because we think that Paul is the main character in the book of Acts. But Paul isn't the main character in the book of Acts, is he? God is the main character in the book of Acts, right? God is. Everything that happened in the book of Acts happened through the power and strength of God, right? Nothing happened without him. If Paul was it, then when Paul would die, it would all end. But the problem is here we have that God is the main character. 
And it doesn't end there because it continues on because God continues on. God does not stop ceasing. And God's work continues on. Paul, yes, he died. What he was doing died. But God continues on with this work. And today, we live today, and a couple thousand years ago, later now, and the this, this story's the same, guys. Nothing has really changed for us. We have a setting. What's the setting? Rochelle in the surrounding area. We have a plot. The plot is to reach the people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? We have conflict, just like they did. God allows conflict to come into our lives, in our individual lives, and in the church. He allows that. God allows that, just like he did in the book of Acts in the early church. He allowed that. The only thing that changes in, in, in this story, the only thing that changes are the characters. That's the only thing that changes. That's moved from Peter and Paul and Barnabas and James and, and, and Philip and all them. No longer those are the characters, but now it's moved to you and me. Everyday people. It's you and I. That's what it's talking about. Called to live out the rest of the story. That wherever we go and whoever we're with, we're to magnify the name of Jesus, right? That's what we're called to do. Because you know why? Between Acts chapter 28 and Jesus coming back, it's where we live it out. That we live it out. The Bible says that one day Jesus, who's the King of kings and Lord of lords, one day he's coming back and he's going to set everything right. He's going to sit on his throne and everything's going to be restored. Restoration will take place. He's going to make everything right, right? Everything's going to be right. But until that time, in between Acts chapter 28 and Jesus comes back, between that time, it's you and me living out the story each and every day in our lives, at the church, that God has called us to live, to finish the unfinished mission that he's called each and every one of us. It's not finished because you and I are here. And God said, it's unfinished and I have things for you to do. And as I look at this, and I kind of examine this, and I thought about this, is I thought, what if someone would follow you around, or me, with a pad of paper and a pen, or with their computer, or with their whatever, iPad, whatever you want to use, the, the digital device you might have, and they started writing what you did every single day. Everything that you did every single day, to write it down like they did the Apostle Paul. Luke's taking notes. Everything that's happened. And they write down. And I wonder if they would write down that you were encouraging to people, to love and good works. You were spurring people on to love and good works. I wonder if they would write that down. That was part of your life. I wonder if they would write down that you were gospel motivated, that you were on mission for Jesus, you were on fire for Jesus. Boy, you were sharing Christ in your family, at your workplace, with your neighbors, wherever you went. You were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wonder if they would write down that you were living out the unfinished mission that God gave you. I wonder if that's what they would be writing down at the end of the day. They would, they would be sharing that about your life. And say, we need to ask that. We need to say, God, am am I living this way? Am I living this out? Because if we want to be an unstoppable church, and we want to be an unstoppable people, and I hope you all want to be that, we have to continue what they did, right? We have to continue doing it. We have to meet together and spur one another on toward loving good deeds. We have to encourage one another. We have to be gospel motivated, right? We got to be saying, I've got to look for opportunities to share the gospel. We got to be like what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. He says, you will be my witnesses. He didn't say somebody else. You, my followers, those who put their faith and trust, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's us. He's talking about us. That we're going to be his witnesses. And we're living out the mission that God has left for us. That we're living this out. Every day we're living the mission for Jesus. It's not about all the other things we're doing. It's living on mission for Jesus, what he's called us. To finish what they started. That's what we're called to do. Finish what they started 2,000 years ago. We're to finish it. And I pray even now, as we close this service and we sing this song that God is mighty to save. And he is. Do you believe that? God is mighty to save everyone, anyone. That it would be part of our hearts and our prayers that we'd say, God, 
Help me to encourage somebody, someone. Help me to be encouragement. Help me to be gospel motivated. Help me to finish the mission that you've given me in my life, to live on mission for you. And God, we're going to trust you to do the rest. Amen? We're going to trust you to do the rest. And as we've been going through these, I pray that you don't forget what you've learned in these 30 messages in this series, in this 28 chapters of the book of Acts. That you realize that God didn't give us this book of Acts about the early church and what God was doing through them. He says, no, I've called you to be on mission. Every one of us to be on mission. That we're always constantly on mission. That we're on mission while we're going in our suffering. We're on mission. Even our surprises that come in our life, right? Even the things that come in our life. God gives us opportunity, even in the difficulties of our life. Everything we go through is an opportunity to be on mission for Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to look at. Not say, oh, I can only be on mission for Jesus when I'm at church. No, that's not it. This is where you get encouraged and built up, and that's where you go out in the world to be on mission. It's out there in the world we're on mission for Jesus. At your workplace, at your homes, to your neighbors, shopping, everywhere you go, we're on mission. They were to look at our watch, remember this watch, and hopefully you remember it, to remind ourselves not only what time it is, but it's mission time. That I'm on mission for Jesus. That's what God has called us to. That you and I might be in the unstoppable church, but unstoppable people. That's what he's called us to be. And sometimes we don't live like that, do we? We don't live like we're unstoppable. We don't live like this unstoppable force that God has called us to, each and every one of us. But we make all kinds of excuses why we can't. And we can list them, why we can't. And God says, stop that. Stop making excuses. But be that unstoppable force that I've called the church to be, and I've called the individuals to be inside of the church. Unstoppable. All we have to do is yield our hearts and mind to God. We'd be surprised what God will do in and through our lives. Just like the early church, God has not done. Until Jesus comes back, God has not done. And now it's you and I to take this message, this mission that God has given us, that's been passed down 2,000 years ago when the church started. They passed it down and they were faithful to the next generation, then the next generation, and the next generation. And now it comes to our generation's time. That we're to take this gospel, we're to take this mission that God has given us, this unfinished mission is not done. And we're to make sure we hand it to the next generation. Not just our children, but to our neighbors, our co-workers, to all those that are in our sphere of influence. We're to share as much as we can. So we do our part. So we can make sure that it's handed down to that next generation. And God is saying, I've given you the unfinished mission. It's up to you to take the gospel. And if we miss out on the opportunity, we miss out on the blessings of God. God's mission will be accomplished, and we're going to miss out if we don't share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be on mission for Jesus. Because God's church, whether you realize it or not, is unstoppable. Nothing will ever stop it. Nothing will stop it. Why? Not because of us. Because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Because it's unstoppable. It cannot be stopped. And so let's be part of that unstoppable church. Let's be part of that unstoppable force in our life. Allow God to work in and through us and give us those opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? You all up for the challenge? That's just not for today. It's for next week, next month, next year, 10 years, 20 years. As long as you live on this earth, that's your mission. You understand that? Acts chapter 28, from the end of that, that Jesus comes back. Or to we, you and I, pass from this life to the next. We're to be on mission for Jesus. Let's pray. God, we come and we praise you. We thank you so much, God, that, that we have the book of Acts. Sometimes we take it for granted what we have here, Lord. It's like, it's like golden words, Lord, as we study. Every, every book is. But we look at the book of Acts, we, Lord, we see the gospel in motion.
We see the gospel in action. We see people who are faithful to you and just ordinary people like us, that you lifted them up and raised them up to do extraordinary things. And they were not extraordinary people. They're ordinary people. The only one that's extraordinary is you. And you can use ordinary people just like us to do extraordinary things because we serve an extraordinary God who is bigger than any problems, any conflicts, any things that come in our life. God, you are bigger than all those. And you will help us to overcome the obstacles, the conflicts, the difficulties, the storms, everything that comes in our life. Lord, we just have to make a decision that I will follow Jesus and I'm going to be gospel motivated wherever I go. Looking for those opportunities, every opportunity to share Jesus. And they're all around us. They're all around us. It's not sometimes preaching the whole gospel, sharing it, but it's sometimes just telling people your, te- your story, your testimony. And inside that's the story of Jesus. Lord, help us to be this way. Help us to be gospel motivated. Help us to encourage one another, Lord, and, and to spur one another on toward loving good deeds. And loving good deeds is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, you can, we can do it because the power of the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Help us to finish the unfinished mission, Lord, you've called us to. That the book of Acts is not finished. It continues because we're here. And God, you've called us to carry on your mission. And Lord, as the church was so faithful in doing it, the early church, help us to be, be that way, that we'd be faithful, that we'd be that unstoppable force here in the Rochelle and the surrounding areas, wherever we work, wherever we go, we'd be that unstoppable force that you've called us to be. And Lord, you're like planting a seed over here. The gospel will sprout up over here, over there, because you put us there. And we would have that gospel motivation just like the Apostle Paul. doesn't matter who's there, the scenario. It's wherever I go, whoever I'm with, that I will show Jesus, that I would magnify the name of Jesus. And I pray that for each and every one of us. That's, Lord, something that every one of us can have control over in our life, that wherever I go, whoever I'm with, I can magnify Jesus. No one can take that from us. We can choose today to do that in our hearts and minds, and I pray we do that. That I will lift up and bring glory to Jesus in all circumstances, in every area of my life. If I haven't done it in the past, Lord, I confess it today. Lord, I I messed up. But today, Lord, is a different day. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, help me to live the life you've called us to live, God. That would bring glory to you. That would be that unstoppable force taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. And we'd be an unstoppable church that we'd gather together and be an unstoppable church as we leave here and seeing people come to know Jesus. So use this, Lord. Help us, Lord. We can't do it without you. We can only do it through your power and your might and your strength, Lord. Give us the words to share. Give us the boldness, Lord. Give us the courage to take a step out of our comfort zones, to make that, that decision, to live for you today, that, God, I'm going to be gospel-motivated. I'm going to be gospel-motivated. And I'm going to, Lord, finish the unfinished mission that you've given me to do around me, which you've called me to do. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. We thank you so much for those who have been faithful, Lord, who have come before us, Lord. Their faithfulness has abounded, Lord. We see many people have come to Christ. Lord, we pray that we would be faithful what you called us to so we can pass this down to the next generation so they can be faithful with the gospel. Unless you come back, Jesus, whatever, whatever, which way. But help us to be found to be faithful. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we can gather together, Lord, and worship you and study your word because your word gives us the truth about who you are and what you have for us to do. We're so thankful for that. And so, Lord, as we continue to worship, I pray in our hearts and minds as we're singing this song, God is mighty to save. And we have in our hearts and minds that we surrender it all to you. And we really believe that, that God can save 
my spouse. But God can save my children, or my brother, my sister, my friends, that coworker, that boss, whoever it may be, that we don't count anyone out, that God can save them. He is mighty to save to reach all people. If we truly believe that, God, if we truly believe that, give us the motivation to share with them that God can save. He is mighty to save. And I pray that in each one of our hearts, that hope that we have, that if we truly believe that, we might share that gospel with others. Lord, we love you and praise you. We thank you so much, Lord, for not giving up on us. But Lord, uh, you're motivating us to be the people you've called us to be. Lord, motivate us. Become gospel motivated and to finish the unfinished mission. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.